You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a philosophy podcast for students, graduates, and anyone else interested in ideas. Alongside regular guests and friends, we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy. So we recently did an episode called Pandemic Culture, but you don't have to have listened to that because we haven't either. So um, <laughs> I listened to it. Oh, thank you, Zach. Uh, just wanted to pick up on a, a couple, one or two things from that, but mostly just talk about some new stuff. Basically, just our reaction to what's happening. Maybe some basic ethical ideas. Like, I'm interested in chatting with you guys about the social impact, really, of the whole coronavirus, and got a few thoughts on like trends and phenomena that have appeared in the last week or two. Firstly, I just, just want to get a sense of how everyone is because like last time I was fucking, I was like really upbeat. I was getting shit done. I was like fucking i was gardening been recording music and stuff like i finished all that and i'm you know i i'd say it's it is kind of getting to me now you hit that wall right where you can't just continue living as you did you can't just like finish the backlog of jobs you had and the projects and adding more housework and netflix to the old structure of your day you've got to like invent new things you you hit that wall where you have to radically change your lifestyle and adapt and I think I've just fucking hit that wall. But yeah, how's everyone else? I'd say I'm one of the very, very lucky ones at the moment. Yeah. Top 1%, if you could even quantify it. Yeah, it's all right for you. You're you're still working, so... Running out of, you know, activities. Mm. What's it like on the outside, Zach? Are the birds <laughs> still there? I don't know, for me, like, I think I'm less content than I was when we last spoke about it, like, probably three or four weeks ago. But I'm more sort of accepting of it, like... There's still a lot of uncertainty, but I've just kind of got into a bit of like a regimented routine. It's become normal. Yeah, yeah, pretty much in a nutshell. Like I'm not really, obviously it's on my mind, when are they going to, you know, start easing restrictions? But I've just sort of accepted this is, this is how it is. And like there's less stress on me from that perspective, but it, it's very samey. I'm a person who likes to be outdoors a lot and do stuff quite active. And mm. that's pretty tough when you're effectively confined to what for me is a very small space. It's going to be tough because you know we're all social creatures. At the end of the day, we all have to have. You know, it's not like hunter gatherer biological determinism kind of shit. It's you know we're supposed to have contact to some degree relative to our personality type. Yeah, you know verbal communication, yeah. eye contact. I don't know. It, it might be a comfort for some people that you know if you are actually feeling lonely it's science it's not unusual it's literally an uphill battle with human nature if you suppress negative feelings just like oh come on i just need to get on with it like it's gonna it's gonna affect some people to some degree like we need fresh air and shit it's it's, it's kind of weird to think we don't yeah, yeah for sure i'd just to echo yeah what you say there is neurological stimulus that humans need in terms of interacting with each other and like this is not how we're supposed to be living at the moment we can't really do this long term i think like governments are very well aware of that and probably get into it in more detail later but there's a delicate balance you've got a strike between literally saving lives but also like there's serious long-term effects yeah sam what's your opinion uh what and how i'm doing yeah yeah it's all right at the moment to be honest i think you have seen nailed it when you said about having tasks to do i was one of the brave few listened back to the first podcast oh nice oh, gee. it was clear it's clear when you were going like oh yeah i just got loads of things to do like i've got 
uh, like you say about recording music, like you're saying about gardening. And I think like we talked about in the flow podcast, spoilers, teaser trailer, <laughs> it is just like a case of just finding things to do. But like Joe said, just being accepting. And that was one of the things that I kind of found quite strange is how well people have accepted this. Mm, because yeah. and I find I find that kind of weird. And I was thinking the other day about I know it's a bit of a dramatic conclusion, but you know, like when they have like dictatorships and they impose curfews. And then you you look at someone like um I'm currently uh, looking at like Iraq and sort of the lead up to the Iraq war. And you imagine like if they came in and went, Oh yeah, you're not allowed to go outside at all between these hours, that there'd be massive uproar. You could never imagine that. And yet the government just goes, Okay, well, you can't do this, and everyone's kind of going along with it but there isn't too much trouble and people are mostly going with it yeah definitely it's just it's, and it's weird like uh like joe was saying how quickly that becomes the new normal so i think that hit like last week where i was just going oh wait this isn't weird anymore this is now just accepted and sort of commonplace if that makes sense like it's routine yeah i think one thing i've noticed for sure is there's certainly like a narrative shift towards collectivism rather than individualism as a result of all these policies. Just by imposing the policies, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's, it is for the best, but it's just become very apparent that the way people are talking through the little kind of exposure we get to the media and stuff, people are talking about we's rather than eyes you know um especially where health is concerned and like i said that that is for the best i mentioned last in the last podcast about homelessness and i think this is where it's quite indicative if you think from an individualist perspective it's obviously fucking horrible to be a rough sleeper but now i think that this collectivist mindset has taken over for the first time there's actually a reason to house people which is fucking strange. You know, why wasn't it before? And I think yeah. the reason for that is the adoption of this collectivist mindset is because they're a liability now. And it was in the collective interest. A wonderful miracle has happened. Yeah. And it's, I, I just think, you know, how fucked is that? That it took, it took doing this collectively to, to have that happen. You know, what, why was the individualist way of looking at it not enough you know i think people are also abandoning this belief that you can believe what you like you know it's now become you believe what helps <laughs> authoritarianism has its pros and cons as does libertarianism as well just trying to you know individually and collectively find that common ground naturally as you know a society we, we want to cooperate with each other in, in yeah mind. governments and people are well aware of all these issues um i know i was slagging off the sort of um militarized narrative last time well i agree, I agree. yeah i just want to throw in my support that i i do hate the fact that the the phrase sacrifice and the fight against the coronavirus keeps coming up because that's just the way that the media is sort of preparing us for the fact that people in hospitals are going to be fucking dying I, th I think i think i think that's horrible i think that's that's really weird yeah they likened the coronavirus to a mugger the other day it's like you know, we would all jump on him if it was a mug. Where, where was that? I think that was Bojo, yeah. I, it's funny how that seems to help people, imagining it as something you can punch or, <laughs> sh or shoot. It's like, it's just very strange. It, we need to transform it into something tangible for people to get their heads around it. But yeah, I think everyone's otherwise relatively level-headed. Um, are you guys are you guys drinking? A lot, or because I noticed this going around. <laughs> Fucking, he uh, says desperately. Um, are you drinking? <laughs> are you guys drinking as well? So that I can, uh, I'm going to say no. Make you feel worse, mate. Well, Wednesday, Merlin. I'd say 
I'd say initially in the lockdown, I wasn't like really drinking much. I've started to just buy, get stuff in now because I'm just really fucking bored. And mm. like, I, th- I think it's kind of, you're not really drinking on your own if you're drinking like chatting to people. And Yeah, I think you're right. And the other thing is, when the pubs do open, I don't want to be going back having one pint being on the floor. So I need to keep that going. <laughs> yes, yeah. all, all for the, all for the, yeah, all yeah. For the big picture, mate. It's your health. Yes, yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's training. <laughs> yeah, it is training. It is training. I don't want to get out of practice. You got to keep it up. The climatization of hitting the boozer. I think the large majority of people. Uh, I think they're doing it on a more regular basis, but less intensely than they were. I certainly am. Yeah. None of us are getting smashed, right? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not as regularly as we were. No, I, I haven't yet. I haven't, I haven't been drunk yet. I think the most I had in one sitting was in four beers. Mm. That's not massive, man. No, no. Like, I, I'm drinking less because I'm not, I'm not in that pub environment anymore. Yeah. I'll be honest. Before the lockdown, I was actually thinking, oh shit, I really need to cut down my drinking, but I don't know how because I'm just, I'm surrounded by booze. But now, <laughs> I think it's because you normally drink, it's like a spur of the moment thing, isn't it? Psychologically, it's like you're in the bar Someone says, do you want a point, mate? And you go, oh, go on then, lad, I'll have one. Well, it's, it's always environment, isn't it? So what they're talking yeah. about in like AA and shit is like you'll go past like a petrol station where you used to get cans of Fosters from. Then you'll be like, oh, well, I've bought the petrol. And now the next step is to do the other thing mm-hmm. in the environment. Other artisanal brews are available. <laughs> yeah, only, only Fosters, mate. You get that strong sense. You get it, you get it most intensely when you're actually in the bar in the environment and but if you're yeah, just looking yeah. at cans of beer in aldi i don't know i just go oh, i'll just have i'll just have a few and then i, I go home and i'm like oh you know i've got other things to drink but i just i don't really want to drink them like i don't normally drink spirits unless it's really an occasion so you know i've got a few spirits tucked away but yeah you know just like i don't know a beer or two. i think that's just advertising probably like if you walk to a pub there's well you're probably no better than me i'm sure there's all sorts of unconscious subliminal triggers to get you to drink yeah, POSs, yeah. You, the, and the pork scratchings, mate. <laughs> and and the fact that it's a pub, isn't it? It's a, literally a room you've gone to with other people to drink. Isn't it? Mm. So you've already like decided you're going to drink by the time you go in there because you're going to pub. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Committed to it, yeah. Whilst there's, yeah, there's, there's very little of, of that scenario able to happen under lockdown. You know, people are drinking on Zoom and Discord and stuff, but it's not, it's not quite the same. It's, yeah, it's, no, not, it's, not. It's, it's not the same. You don't get as many like, it's like even doing this podcast now sort of virtually, you don't get all the little like uh, sort of body language cues and like non-verbal cues you get. So you're just missing out on a big chunk of communication. Mm. So you just get like the vocal cues and things like that. And I imagine that's like a, a huge part of like social interaction. People will be like, oh shit, I didn't realize that that was missing when they go like to things like the pub. I think it's going to be bizarre when like, Obviously, the the whole easing restrictions will be gradual, but to what extent it is from like the point now to the point being in a crowded pub again, that's going to feel very strange. Well, have you heard about the new restrictions that they're considering? No, go on. Three pints per pub. What, three pints per person per pub? Why? They don't want everybody flocking in and, or staying too long. Well, yeah, because you're going to have everyone on a fucking session, aren't they? Of course, you know that's going to encourage. Well, yeah, it's just that's just giving me pub crawls, isn't it? Mm. I think they don't want people to 
stay in one place and then get too drunk and and then flout like social distancing rules and things that's an interesting take but like even in even in supermarkets people aren't really obeying in my experience a lot of people are not obeying social distancing oh tell me about it yeah you know often because they can't actually because supermarkets are not built for social distancing obviously as they are i get all these fuckers walking into me Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the time. It's like, oh, fuck off. Can't wait. Just, 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 just lead them. Need some big, big serious. Go. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I saw a couple of guys just kind of looking at every single steak that was available on the top end of the meter. <laughs> move. Move. Have you seen? A, have you ever had this happen to you? Where like you're walking down an aisle and someone's walking down the aisle, or like they turn the corner and they look at you with like an abject fear, like you're a fucking monster, and then like run away. <laughs> I've had that. Like I don't know if that's just that's just because I haven't been washing for like the last week, or just like the social distancing. But it could be a byproduct. I can't find any flour anywhere. Flour. Middle class massacre, mate. It's what's going on. Everyone just baking their own bread. Chop some flowers and chuck them in, mate. I'll, I'll do. Grind up some flowers. Do you why know not, why mate? that is? That you can't get any flour? There's trouble up mill. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, apparently, my dad told me this today, and I was like, wow, that's, that's fucking useless information. I'm never going to use that. But I'm using it already. On a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, 9% of uh, flour goes to, like, big bakers. And then the reason why they can't get it out to supermarkets is because they haven't got enough like bagging facilities to put it in one kilogram bags. So they're still doing bits with the flour. They just haven't got enough like actual bags to put in. You're right. That was useless information. That was really boring. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Feel free to edit that out. Next question. Do you guys feel more connected to your communities? No. So define communities. Uh, no, you. <laughs> oh shit you know reverse i guess this all this fucking clapping stuff is it's part of that is anyone else just feeling like it's really really like patronizing to people that actually work in the nhs well i know a lot of people in the nhs that actually are on board with it and really appreciate it i i just i just think it's like have you ever read um bonfires of vanities tom wolf and he goes to like woodstock and he talks about people whooping and how it's like he has this fucking amazing paragraph where he talks about how like people whooping is like it's like the sign of their ego just like screaming like me me as loud as you can and you hear that sometimes when it's like people clapping yeah. and you hear people like like clapping's awesome clapping's like respectful you're actually like i think it's a good thing to do but then you hear people go woo yeah woo and like like whistling and shit and banging like pots and then suddenly that's that's not about paying respect that's just about you drawing attention to yourself well, it can then become quite tribalistic sometimes hmm. I, yeah i think it's just it's just people it just ends up being like either you're trying to draw attention to yourself or you're virtue signaling and you end up with this like weird thing of no one wants to be the first one to stop clapping it's not like a, it's not like a minute silence there's a, there's a judgment stuff yeah and i, I do agree like the a vigil or something would be a lot more appropriate you know whooping whilst people are dying is kind of yeah it's just the, yeah. that 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 goes across just completely wrong i think that's just like it's not I, I get it it's supposed to be a positive celebration that people are doing it but also it it just seems wrong when you think about people that are dying and there's people I think bang, can, banging saucepans it, going woohoo and like whistling and you're like well it's not it's not affecting you i think i think it certainly can be wrong but i think 
it's a matter of intention, which you can't judge yeah, yeah. externally. Uh, but I, I think it's, it is a nice effect when it fills the air for 10 minutes straight. It's, it's such a loud and like full sounding affair, right? It's like lots of different noises occupying a really rich space rather than just like dispersed thin claps and things. You know what I mean? It, 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 the point is to make noise so that people can hear it. Well, yeah, that's that's the problem. And also, like, you're not reflecting. I think minute silence is just fucking amazing. Whenever you go to, like, a minute silence or, like, Armistice Day or something, and you actually just think about it for a minute, it's just got, a like, a, a crazy powerful sense as, like, everything stops, and you actually do think. You still got the same sense of judgment though right you like when some kind we did it in the pub and uh some kind walked in and was just like trying to order a drink in the fucking hell the stairs mate just, I'm, I'm not gonna lie that that is actually like fucking that's grounds for like hands-on do you know what i mean if, if someone's just like oh, oh, <laughs> if someone just walks in during a fucking if someone walks in during a minute silence and just goes oh mate i'll have a fucking pint of cider with a shot of black in it like that that's actually like grounds for mob mentality. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I, I did I did join in the stairs. But yeah, that 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 stair is like a uh sort of a nonverbal cue from like a judgment from the entire fucking environment around him, just letting him know that that behaviour is not cool. There's an interesting discussion at work um about the minute silence, because like the policy they ruled on was that if you're in a call centre, you can invite the customer you're speaking to, to join you in the silence. But if they decline, then you're supposed to continue with the call. That was a bit of like, nah. is that really the right thing to do? Or should you that is, be able to, as an individual, just say, actually, like, I'm going to have to put you on hold for a minute. That is that is absolute fucking disrespect. And that should never be allowed. You should never. Yeah, I think it's, agree. it's one of those, it's one of those things that, I think trumps commercialism. If, yeah, 100%. You know, yeah. What's, what's more important, reflection, and respect or i mean it, it is your choice but I, I think it should be up to people to to make choices and policies around these things but i would strongly argue in favor of you know commercialism comes second to this kind of shit this kind of shit matters a lot more yeah i think so too um you weren't the only one to feel that way trust me <laughs> <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine whoever proposed the idea of no no we need to make more sales uh did, did not get the reaction they were looking for He's just in a room being stared at. <laughs> yeah, legit. He's a psycho, mate. Well, you just go like, hey, look, the, the minute silence is about to happen. Uh, this might be slightly awkward, but we're going to like, honor this. I'll talk to you after this minute. But Jimmy, it's literally a minute. It's, yeah, no, yeah, no one can have a legitimate complaint about that. I actually think that would create more business. If, oh, yeah, if yeah, somebody yeah. was on the phone to me, I'd be like, oh, this company, <laughs> you know, they've got their head shit. Yeah. They're, they're like a moral mm. business yeah. or, or a business run by moral people. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's a better way of saying it. Yeah, maybe, yeah moral business. Yeah, these see, see my instant fucking YouTuber. They're a moral... Yeah. Mid-sentence. Do you guys have any opinions on Captain Tom Moore? That old geezer that uh, walk around... Absolute legi- legitimate fucking bloke. gangster, mate. Just puts everyone else to shame. Mm. It makes you feel makes you yeah, feel so like a piece of he, shit. So he, he walked was that hundred laps around his garden? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. He raised thirty five million pounds. Fantastic! That's, that's a lot of money. I mean, he shouldn't have to. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he definitely no. shouldn't have to. But it's just that, that yeah. that's just like that's just a display of his dedication to like a lifetime of service, isn't it? The fact that he has yeah. been in the armed forces for that long. 
was in World War Two and is now going, well, there is actually, <clears throat> so I'm just choking to death from fucking Corona. And he's now going, there is actually like, uh, there's a massive crisis. What can I do at a hundred? What's the max I can do? What is my, yeah, still, still wants to serve. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's not like, oh, I'm going to do the fucking crossword. He's like a hundred years old doing a hundred laps is actually pretty fucking intense. It's a sterling mm. effort and the feel good factor for donating with that kind of thing must be pretty huge. Yeah, so I expect that's part of the reason why he he only wanted to raise a little bit first, and he yeah he fucking smashed it. He had a flyover the other day from the RAF. Fucking, I mean, people just like to gather, rally around a good story in a mm. with a good yeah a good story. Really, I think in times like these in particular, that's certainly one story I I cannot be cynical about. No, like, that is no just, way. Yeah, yeah, that is just fucking uplifting. And I, I, I totally understand why the media's rallied around the guy. It's fucking great. It was, it was yeah. Did he release a song as well? Oh, yeah. It's number one, isn't it? Did he? Yeah. yeah. Making better yeah. Well, I don't think he did, but... Yeah, but is it, Mike, is it Michael Ball? See, see that, that's one point where my cynicism fucking enters the chat. Where he gets rung up yeah. by Michael Ball. I'm like, oh. but, but fair enough. That's, that's more... more <laughs> when, when someone goes like, oh, I see there's a big story. Time to resurrect my fucking opera career from the 80s yeah you can't you can't really knock charity can you like you can certainly put caveats on it but like you can knock quite a lot of charities you can knock how it's being run but you know fundamentally you can't really i mean it's i think like individual actions like one man just doing some bits like you can't really fuck with but as soon as it goes as soon as it becomes like corporatized it then loses a little bit of like what i'm supposed to be doing Speaking of that kind of stuff, I actually had a few points about, I guess, the media in general. I think, like, it's so fucking weird that adverts, the way they've tried to capitalize on the event, is just really fucking sinister. Like, we're all doing our bit right now. That's why you should buy our fucking steak. You know, it's it's just like... Is that, is that, is that like a real thing? Like, Yeah, it's confusing times for us all. We're having to adapt to new things learn new things there's like a montage at the same time they've also lifted it like another that's what you were saying about like the moral business isn't it it's like when Gillette did that I know I, I fucking hate it when people bring up the Gillette advert because it is like, oh, like, like, rabbit hole. like like literally no one cares I don't care but the, the point I've got to have my tea <laughs> yeah 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 but the point that everyone I think people got a bit overzealous but the point they're making was is like businesses aren't moral so you going hey look we're all suffering together Buy some fucking chips. It's just, it just, <laughs> it just doesn't, it just doesn't gel. No, it doesn't. This kind of stuff, like the personalization of a corporate entity, that's been happening for some time. Like yeah, you yeah. see, like a, there's a few accounts on Twitter that are known for it. They're mm. like business run, but they like, they just like reply with memes and really cringe stuff, trying to like appeal to yeah. people. And now they're capitalizing on this on this idea that we're all in it together, which we sort of are, but there's, there's a lot of variation within that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't blame them, but it's just, you, you can't really confuse this with actual community spirit. It's, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They're protecting their, in times like these, a lot of companies aren't doing too well. It shouldn't be a shock to anyone to say, mm. and they're coming up with quite creative ways to ultimately protect margins and balance sheets and things like that. But the, the kind of front end of it, looks all nice and glossy and like oh we're all in this together everyone's having a hard time and then they're capitalizing on that kind of line to ultimately sell you something yeah you're right sam it feels feels off it's it's like uncanny valid it's like Mm. you you understand that the words they are saying you understand that they mean well but also 
that that's not what they really mean. You just know it's just false. Yeah. And it's disingenuous. If they, yeah. like in my, in my fucking dream utopia, it's like banks. I fucking hate it when banks have like, like the, they had a, a Lloyd's one where it was just like uh, someone raising a horse. Uh, it was like, I think, I can't remember. I want to say, uh, yeah, banging, banging. That's, that's, that's TSB, mate. TSB. Same thing, but, um, it, it, it was like someone raising a horse and it was like, hey, we're with you all the time we're hit with you to support you during lives and you're like well no you're not you're a fucking bank like lol Lloyd's adverts are bare pretentious like they were they were pretty bad even before covid to be honest like fucking awful i don't really know what the alternative is i i I know i i in my dream utopia they just say hi we have this account like they literally just go (laughs) lloyd's has one percent interest account cool Yeah, yeah that's what you get there's the product. So here's the pros of joining up with us. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like a real advert. But they're selling you an idea, aren't they? Like like, like a Mercedes-Benz, a like Leah, like a Mercedes-Benz advert where it shows like a guy in a fucking glass house, like putting on a fucking suit. Then he goes, Mercedes-Benz. And you're like, wow, I want to do that. That's cool. Well, it's product differentiation. Yeah, it's like a lifestyle brand. Yeah, like you were saying, Joe, personalized brands are a trend. And I think... Also, the transparent brand was also a trend yeah. and it, it didn't do very well. I think these these things are all trends and you can't really judge them out of context. They just sort of come and go. Yeah, the whole like, um, yeah, transparent, basic, simple brand. So in some industries it can work, but in a lot of industries you have to have some sort of USP, which is why going back to like the Lloyd's thing, for example, they're selling you like, it's more than a current account. It's like a special relationship you're being sold. It's which is like mostly bullshit. But that, that's, that's, yeah, I, I think that's extremely pretentious. And it's like, some, sometimes I watch adverts and I'm like, I don't even know what you're trying to sell me. And that's when I just like, that's, I think the Lloyds is probably approaching that at the minute. Yeah. Um, it's only because they're such a big name that you kind of know what they are. Like if you just saw the advert of a black horse running around now, you'd be like, I don't know what I'm buying. Yeah, I mean, at that point, because they're so successful from their practices, all they really have to do is just promote their name regularly. Yeah, basically. It doesn't really matter what they say. What do you think, guys think about um, celebrities, especially actors? They're, they're really desperate to want to remain relevant. Um, they are all over certain radio channels at the moment. And at first, I, you know, I was quite cynical of it, but then I realised, well, maybe it's just their outreach now. They, they, they need to be heard, in a sense. They need that sense of validation. They're bored as well. You know, let's not... De- they, they're human, right? Uh, it's all about frame. Like I've seen, I've seen some uplifting stuff that comes from a genuine place, and you know, of course, like actors and stuff could be could be part of that. It's the other side of it where you know, comedians and musicians. I think they are they're entertainers, right? They they this is what they do. But I think it's it's more just actors when they're like giving us advice or video diaries about their day or like just singing songs. It's like we don't need you to survive this. You. You may as well be one of those hollow brands. It's some. It's just virtue signaling. Are you going to talk about Gal Gadot and the fucking Imagine? That was that was the well. The, that the, was the, for the apex that was of it. Was it actually? I didn't know this for charity. To be honest, I just thought they just did it. I thought they did it, and Gal, Gal Gadot. That really fucking triggered me. If if it was charity, whatever. But she just goes. I'm very philosophical at the moment. Sings twenty seconds with Beatles song, and then just does like a smug smile, like that. Hey. You're welcome, world. I just fucking saved you. Yeah, don't don't worry, I'm here. I just fucking saved you with this absolute banger of a tune. 
when you're genuinely affected by poverty yeah how's i gonna fix my leaky roof things like exactly yeah. like when you're genuinely affected by poverty or poor health the last thing you want is some cunt in their mansion who's yeah. bored that's um that's dan, dan Harmon said um he's the fucking rick and morty geezer and he said he was generally in constant fear uh, a couple of years ago about because uh, he lives in la and he's just saying like all of the homeless people just going hey wait wait a minute there's like fucking eighty thousand homeless people in la and there's also just like thousands of like millionaires up in massive uh, houses on the hills and like that that civil unrest just kicking in i think it's worth saying that like um actors in particular tend to or some of them do have quite massive egos yeah so like there is there is something to say about that but also the fact that a lot of people do genuinely idolize celebrities in quite a terrifying way. In, in my view, I like, I like some celebrities I dislike others, but I wouldn't say there's any that I would like, mm. you know, like follow to the letter, especially seeking And they're in a me. kind of position of pseudo power in that sense. I'm always just a little bit like weirded out when I see a celebrity going like, Oh, you know, we're all in this together. This is affecting everyone. It's like, well, yeah, but at the same time, you're not going to go broke and you've got a massive house to run around in. Like you don't have any, you know, you, know, you don't have any real problems to worry about. It kind of sucks for you, but that's the extent of it. There's always mental health. Yeah. Sam, I wanted to get oh, your fucking opinion. Fucking hell, boys. <laughs> that's, that's a drastic increase in volume as well. Yeah, go on. Yeah, there's fucking, there's two of these coming your way, mate. This is the first question. Oh, nice. It's all about me. This is my dream. Homeschooling, what's your opinion? It's fucking hard, man. Do you think that people should bother? Because it, like, yeah. teaching is, they should stick with the curriculum. Uh, no. I think that the teachers of, me, myself included, we're all fucking superheroes. There's a lot, oh, mate, this is a whole fucking podcast. There's, there's loads of problems. Like, parents, the biggest thing we've had is parents going, how the fuck do you do any of this? How do you actually convey information? And also, so that's like one thing. Yeah, I think most teachers can't fucking do it. Yeah, alone. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Legit, legit. People, yeah, yeah, absolutely. A good 30, 20%. Let's that, be nice. A good 20% just of teachers literally cannot teach because mm. it, it is like a fucking skill and an art. It's hard. And we're still, there's still teething problems with how do you do it effectively? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of like factors to it. Yeah. And this is, again, is the whole fucking podcast. The problem with teaching is just like, it's so personal. So there's no way that you can just yeah. say this is a set of rules because everyone learns differently, everyone teaches differently. But like, we've had the main complaints you've had are, well, the main, not complaints, the main feedback you've had are, fucking hell, this is hard. Um, second one is, oh, Jesus, there's so much to do. I'm working from home and cannot educate my kid. Third one is mm. that there's too much stuff that's been given to them. So I think yeah. um, this this is a problem is teachers are usually in, inundated with about 300,000 things at a time. You've always got things going on. Like in a lesson, there's so many fucking variables and in between that. So you never get a chance to sit down and focus on one thing. We have to deal with things like uh, being a role model and like psychology kind of stuff. It, you know, it seems to me that a good portion of your job has nothing to do with the content of what you're actually teaching oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's loads of other things subject subject knowledge is literally like uh, 10% like su subject knowledge and yeah. conveying information is like 10% but um, you've got to mold people you've got to create character personality ethics it's, like, it's fucking it's 
ridiculous. Yeah, it's 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 such a hard task. The, the thing the thing that I was trying to get to is like so so now you don't have all these things. Even if it's not let's say it's not like being a role model, like forging personality. Let's say it's just someone saying, "Where's a pen? Where's a guitar pick? Where's a thing? Where's a keyboard? Help me with this." Do you know what I mean? It's like all these little tasks that stop you from being focused. So now that mm-hmm. all those are removed, teachers are sat at home, and there's actually like a great sense of guilt. So I think a lot of people, a lot of teachers are looking around, and this is me, myself included, you're looking around, looking at people without um, jobs, and you're sitting at home still receiving your salary, and you go, oh shit, I better earn this. Therefore, because we're not interrupted, and we do have this sort of like guilt of needing to provide uh, like work to do, and needing to provide learning, because teachers are fucking sad cases, and we actually do want kids to learn shit. That's literally our entire purpose fucking being at the moment. And it's like, because we're not interrupted, we can just put it all out. So that actually then increases a huge amount of stress onto the kids at home. Yeah. So much is lost in translation. Parents can't pick up the slack and every day they wake up, look on their like, we've got a system called class charts which shows all the homeworks. So they look at a big list and just have a freak out. So I think the best thing we can do is just give them some things to do, but then just like get the parents to be like, fucking, this is how you peel a carrot. This is how you wash clothes. Yeah. This is how you... I don't know. Fucking send a letter. That's an outdated. That's an outdated one. No, well, I mean, I I actually had a list here in my notes. But fucking, I had I had had to write a check, and then I, I wrote that. I was like, <laughs> yeah. who the fuck does that? <laughs> I don't know how to write a check. I literally don't. I've only had to write one check before that. Uh, I lived in a, a house um, house share at university, and the landlord he had like a fucking OBE in like shoe design or something, and he was so it was, sick. It was just old geezer. And he was like, yeah, just send me the, the rent by check. And I was like, what the fuck are you on? Like, I've never had to do that <laughs> since. And I don't think I ever will. But like, um, I think my mum cool. sometimes gets old customers that, that send in checks. But it, it's it's a novelty, isn't it? But yeah, anyway, I, I thought like gardening, you know, how to grow and care for plants and yeah. cooking, baking, reading. Like each, each little fucking shitty topic I'm touching with is like fucking many many rabbit holes i want to do a podcast teaching at some point yeah it'd be good there's so much that you can't do teaching at school but then we often have more contact with pupils than parents do there was there was a great like podcast i was listening to called like the first teachers and about how much use of how much schooling used to be done at home and it's just like suddenly that's just like completely gone it's like kids can't tie their shoelaces unless they're taught how to do it at nursery school and it's like that's just wrong uh, the way the way that we think about the way that we think about powering off teaching and just being like here be homing here be teaching it's like completely wrong. It's just like a massive divide that just sort of the fact that there's like a home and a school life should not be if that makes sense. They should both be like a, a process of yeah. learning and a process of growing that continues in both. Yeah, there should definitely be some crossover from my perspective. I mean, we always complain about not knowing certain things when we come out of school as well. And it's like, where do we, where do we pin that blame? Like, I, I could have done with some of these skills about seven or eight years earlier in my life. Yeah, basically. Wide, doughy-eyed, naive, going into sort of like your later teen years and twenties isn't very helpful a lot of the time. But also, yeah. it also is just like the capacity for wanting to learn. The amount of people that are sort of around our age, even in our friends group, that are now just like literally recreational learners. Like if I, if I'm doing the washing up, I'm listening, I'm listening to Dan Carlin pod. Have you ever heard the hardcore history podcasts? They're f- fucking outstanding. They would do like a four part, four hour podcast on the first world war and just go through it. 
the amount of people who do like passive learning when they're like, I don't know, driving to work, listening to podcasts, uh, when they're like doing the washing up, listening to like YouTube, like the whole Jordan Peterson thing took off massively. Or like Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson sold out arenas because people are now so into like learning later in life. Yeah, um, audiobooks and things, yeah, podcasts. Yeah. I think it's fantastic, but also just like now that people are developing that will to learn, it's just like you can't underestimate how how that is not there in children. Our whole culture towards making school an adversarial place is just completely wrong. Like the way our society looks at school is just, there's so many fucking problems with it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm just conscious of time a little bit. Um, din din. Well, I wanted to get your opinion again here on this um, stoicism and how that can help people. Can I tell you my yardstick for bad experience, Victor Frankl? You did. Well, you said that in uh, in the Flow podcast. You were saying like, okay, so- there's there's acute suffering, there's really bad shit, and it, like the Holocaust. And if you're not experiencing that, apparently you can't complain. <laughs> uh, I, I do kind of agree with, but I I think it's it's maybe a little bit cynical. The, the example I give is like Victor Frankl uh, in the middle of a German winter working outside, starving to death with no shoes on, wearing a shirt, like working outside for 12 hours. And I'll use that on myself and be like, oh, what, there's washing up to do. And I'm like, oh, I'm too tired to do it. And I'll be like, you think like you can't do the washing up yet, Victor Frankl. And already by that point, I'm just like, fuck's sake, now I have to do it. So it's like, it's, I think it's really, it's really good. It's really useful to have a powerful benchmark for suffering so that you just go, so, like, you're right so, yeah. so that if you have something, you can go, oh, well, is it that? No. Well, I could probably do that. Go Holocaust or go home. Well, yeah, but like compared to that, this is nothing, absolutely nothing. Can you extrapolate that basically forever? Okay, so if you ever had to do anything in your life more difficult than the Holocaust, probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you yeah exactly. Just, yeah. You just like, constantly use any, any time I have thing, to impart yeah. suffering upon myself in any way. Well, it wasn't as bad as the Holocaust. It wasn't as bad as uh, Jesus being crucified alive. Yeah, I could probably do that. And then you just never stop. The Catholics have it, didn't they? Like every, like, well, I don't say every, but a lot of religions have like a, a benchmark for suffering where they just go, well, compared to that, is what you're going through that bad? And it's like Marcus Aurelius has got that line where he talks about, ask yourself this question, what is there now in this work that I cannot stand? And you'll be ashamed to admit it. When you look at, when you look at it and you ask like, what is this thing that I'm pretending is really the worst thing ever? What is it that I actually can't deal with? And you go, oh, there's actually nothing. Like, there's nothing in this situation that I cannot deal with. I agree with. in S. In S but people have committed suicide over smaller things. And I, I understand it's because they don't have that benchmark or they can't access it or there are certain things that are going wrong in that process, definitely. But or maybe they're experiencing some maybe they're experiencing something worse than the benchmark. Maybe their yes, yes. subjective experience is worse so than that's that. what I was trying to get at. Yeah. So, so objectively I agree with you, but then there's the subjective quality which yeah, so yeah, I just yeah. I just want to get that out there. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not ruling that out. I'm yeah, not saying yeah. like if if your arm's not broken, then you should do it. Mm. Yes, yeah, this inter- internal conversation. Yeah, yeah. So you're just finding your own. You're discovering your own benchmark. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, it's just it's just it's an it's an internal yardstick, and it's yeah, like the your boy Marcus Aurelius says, like the the only thing that we actually fear is the fact that this suffering will never end. Uh, I remember Ham Sarah's talking about that and the teachings of the Buddha where it's like you can bear pain 
but it's like in that moment you've already borne the pain if that makes sense so you've already dealt with the maximum amount of pain that is happening in that situation your owning fear is the fact that that pain will never end and as soon as you just like focus on the instance focus on the moment and sort of move up past that you stop or remove the fear the fact that it will never end that makes sense yeah it does i think one thing that's that a lot of people are doing at the moment is consuming a lot of media that's literally the worst thing you could do I yeah think, so you're just putting your brain you're, you're not actually dealing with thoughts that's literally just like burying things underneath layers yeah like at this time people i think are dubious about consuming anything non-government and i really get that um it's important to get facts straight it's important to avoid fake news or the rest especially with scams going on and stuff but i think that's the reason why similar channels like us or probably better channels than us more accurately um no such thing aren't creating like covid related content and and i haven't actually seen much philosophy on the subject and i think i think people aren't interested in it either because i think people are glued to looking at the death toll every day and i just i just kind of want to communicate this idea that i think it it can be helpful but i think also an overconsumption of the same news over and over again is what breeds anxiety you know we have to make the most of situations i mean you guys know fucking Sisyphus rolling the the boulder up the hill, mate. Legit, yeah. The myth of Sisyphus, right? He's. I mean, we'll do. We'll get into this when we start exploring more philosophy, because this is apparently a philosophy podcast. <laughs> Sisyphus is rolling the boulder up the hill. He's cursed to do this for eternity. And uh, Albert Camus says we we have to imagine that Sisyphus is happy because he can't spend all his energy trying to control the things that he can't. You know, you could literally only do what you can. You can't control the pandemic. You can't control everything else. You can only control your reaction to it. And and that's and that's a really important thing. You can hundred percent control your reaction to it. Mm. Focus on focus on small things and focus on the things you are more in your control. The more in your control, the thing you're focusing on, the better. You'll be a lot better off. There is so much choice and emotion. It's like if you're angry, you are actually choosing to be angry. I know, but understanding that is a slow process. You can't just tell someone that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I get it. But it's like your boy, your boy Ham Saris, when he does all this meditation shit, he'll be like, if you actually focus on the energy of like anger or like being ashamed or like being hurt, the actual half life of it is very small. But what you do if you're being angry or if you're like, I was literally like this the other day, you actually just go through a, a phase of just reprodding the fire and just keeping that going keeping that going during the day and it's like as soon as you start to notice that sort of pattern you can kind of break it but it's the hard part is like noticing it yeah i guess recognizing some silver linings in in what is obviously mostly a fucking negative experience but there is so much positive it'd be great if everyone could just like sit down in a room with themselves and just like think and just just like actually be and stop, stop like repressing things and just actually like go through, like, you know I mean, just like open, open the email box of like past thoughts and just sort of go through and just figure out what needs to be sorted out. Yeah. Delete the spam. Yeah. Literally, mate. Fucking send those big dick pills back. <laughs> the control thing seems to divide people. Cause like for me, I'm very much in the camp that if I can't control it, I don't really worry about it, but for some people, it's the very lack of control that causes them to just spin the fuck out. Like, yeah, stoicism is really trying to get at those people and yeah. um, present new arguments and new ways of saying, "Look, you should really kind of rethink this idea." And yeah, it's 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 as much psychology as it is 
philosophy. Yeah, it's all mind angles, isn't it? It's literally your perspective on things can change how you deal with it so much. If you want to find out more about Stoicism, you, you can look at the Two Beers Until Phrenesis Stoicism episode. Yeah, I mean, Sam did a good one. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to the rest of series one. It's fucking shite. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. Man. That was good fun. I'm going to get on to the last bit now. Right. My, my dinner is cooking. So, uh, what are you having? Noodles. Corona on chips. Oh. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, the effects are going to be wide reaching. It could potentially herald a completely new type of society in a lot of ways. Maybe not straight away, but the immediate effect is going to be largely negative. But I think it's interesting to speculate about what changes could come. Because I was thinking about all the great empires and, the, you know, they've always been shaped by disease. I mean, you look at the, the Roman and Byzantine empires, it contributed to their downfall. Civilizations are always kind of holistically affected and changed at the precipice of a pandemic. So if you take the plague, for instance, kind of led to the establishment of all these different boards and government powers and practices that shape the modern world, really. Like, quarantining, as we know it today, was basically handed down to us from the European experience of the plague. I think it was Foucault, actually, who wrote about this. Basically, every inch of movement inside and outside of towns was segmented and controlled for the first time in history. So, unprecedented shit. So, in every street in Europe, People had to like roll call by yelling at their health. The penalty for which would be lying. If you if you lied, you get your fucking head chopped off. Nice. Yeah, as if they didn't have enough problems to deal with about forty yeah, percent yeah. of Europe being entirely wiped out, and yet they're doing that already. There's gonna be no one left. Yeah, I think those sort of mortality rates. It's an entirely different systematic shift that we'd experience in more you know established democratic societies today. It's a mad case of. Order rising to meet chaos. Your boy. Similarly, like diseases have shaped, uh, it shaped it, like Indian politics. And I think Figo actually says that like the Black Death basically turned society into a lab, like where everything could be controlled for the first time ever in history. And we've never really lost that sense of control as far as the state's concerned. It's really interesting, kind of. Yeah, but you know, Figo's got a tad of a He's tad biased, though, isn't he? Well, yeah, yeah. But I, I think there's something... A, with, uh, <laughs> he's a tad biased. Um, but yeah, like, the idea of healthcare being in the interests of the people in charge, I think that's, I think that's a good thing. Uh, they're the ones that actually sort it out, you know. Indoor plumbing and drinking water, <laughs> fucking quite a good fucking thing. Um, just a dose of daily leeches, just drop them all over your arms, you'll be fine. Right, it's raining no time. <laughs> Well, I, I think our society's already got like little bits of socialism built into it. I think they're already in like the places where they need to be, like you said, with the NHS and like water and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think the the effects of this particular virus won't be understood for a long time, maybe even years. But I don't know. What, what do you guys think will happen? I think personally, it's going to be like a newfound respect for simple things existing in the home and like online communication. I would love to, I would love to think that that was the case. <laughs> yeah, go on, but go realistic, on. realistically in practice, I think a lot of things will just go back to normal. In a few months' time, yeah. we'll go back to our little cosy hobbit holes and a lot of people completely blissfully ignorant of what happened a few months before. And I think mentally a lot of people 
will only respond as a last resort if they kind of have to think oh no i have to do it at the 11th hour because otherwise you, a lot of a lot of time you cannot just encourage people to change it's- i don't think it's about encouraging people to change i i think people will just naturally uh change some behaviors uh, i mean the economy is certainly going to be affected and I, yeah. I mean we're all spending less right and I, I think to some degree we've all kind of come up with some degree of oh well shit i don't actually have to spend as much as i was because i'm not now and i'm in that sense i'm doing fine yeah yeah i'd like to think that a lot of people will be spending a lot less money on tat effectively that they don't need and yeah. materialism will hopefully take a bit of a bit of a dive but uh yeah building on that i'm not going to bring any actual numbers but um there have been surveys done fairly recently which indicates that we're, so, we're sort of migrating towards in my opinion not a, not a totally cashless but much less cash circulating type of society and this is very likely to have accelerated that. There's quite a lot of in- early indicators that suggest that people are going to be using a lot less cash in future. So this is probably due to kind of the, it's slightly safer to pay by contactless at the moment because of the reduced like, interaction. But at the same time, a lot of people have realized like, oh, I can actually do all my banking online. A lot of people are sort of stuck in ways of paying with cash and that's kind of what they're used to. And now they've kind of been forced not to do that. I think that could be a habit that will change as a result of this. I'm sort of cynical about a lot of the be- other behavioral bits. I, th- I kind of agree with Zach in that I think people's memories are blissfully short with this sort of thing. Although it seems really, really quite dramatic at the moment. I, I tend to agree on a macro level. I think a lot of society won't change any significant, but I don't know. History does tell us other things. So... Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was big change. But um, yeah, it, it, it certainly seems unlikely based on our experience. Yeah, I think you're right. It's really hard to say. I mean, yeah, it, it, I, I think the other interesting one actually is the whole climate change deal. So again, I'm not, I can't really remember, but there's some, there's some stats suggesting that, you know, like the ozone layer is repairing itself in places and climate emissions are decreasing for the first time since whenever as a result of this, which shouldn't be surprising, but it does kind of point to the fact that, you know, this can be done. Like we can still do particular things to reduce the effects of climate change. Yeah, I think that's a good Again, one. I'm not really sure how that's going to pan out going forward because the reason that, that climate change is, or the effects of climate change have been reduced because of some pretty dramatic measures. So it's not like they're easily replicable. But I just think it kind of paints the point that this is this is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very hard to replicate those kind of levels again. Yeah. The billions of people using the fossil fuels and... Yeah, it's just, it's just interesting to see it can, can be done. You'll never convince like people who, for example, don't believe in climate change. That will mean nothing to them. But for people that, that you know, there might have been quite a lot of people who were like, well, oh, it's kind of already done. There's nothing we can do about it. And this is saying, well, actually, I hope that this is within human control to some degree. Do you think the society will commemorate this this whole time in any way? Do you think we'll have... It's a, it's a stretch to think we'll have a national holiday. Probably not. I don't think so. I heard a rumour of someone who said something down the room the other day, right? Um, Daniel Orchard. That there could be a replacement um, due to extenuating circumstances of maybe a, a new bank holiday or something. Well, that's what I was just thinking. Doctors. But, but we don't have I that for when it be. Uh, when have we not got one? January. Just chuck it in January. Why not? It's terrible. Nobody's got any money after Christmas. Just put it on like the second week of January. 5,000 years later, we're going to have 
a lot of similar events. Every fucking day is going to be a national holiday. I find a national holiday a strange way of marking this because, one, it didn't happen suddenly on a particular day. And two, is it not enough to remember the time when we were all fucking locked in our houses for months on end? And Neither did the two worlds, but we day commemorating or, or those the, or the black plague yeah like, that's then the black death yeah. literally lasts for years well it never really went away it was affecting people for hundreds of years i guess like yeah with wars and stuff they you know wars well most wars have a, have an official yeah, end date yeah they have an armistice date yeah yeah that's what i'm getting at whereas this is this is sort of it's happened quite quickly but it hasn't happened on a day and it won't peter out on a day the day they start officially um publicly using the first vaccine <laughs> I, I would I, I don't know put that as a date that's not a bad shout yeah the whole remembering the war thing is it, it's less like remembering the war it's more like remember this we don't fucking want this to happen again it's like when people remember the holocaust they go like it's not oh the holocaust was bad it was like this this was a thing if we remember like you don't repeat the things you remember mm. you, you seem to repeat the things that you forget so I thought that was the whole point about it is it's like remembering the First World War, remembering the Second World War, so that we realised the massive price that it costs so that it wouldn't be done again. Mm. No? So maybe. Fat nice. It's, it's interesting to see how the vaccines are progressing because the, the typical time frame for vaccine development, like from inception to human deployment, is two to five years. And like we, we're already in human trials for some things, which is it shouldn't shouldn't be understated that that is fucking exceptional. That's really great. Possibly in the case of the Zika virus or something, but we, I don't think we've ever really had an, anything quite this urgent where we've had to accelerate and cut corners so much, and everyone's kind of okay with it because it's such yeah. extenuating circumstances. It's funny you said the Zika virus or like Ebola, like any of these things that didn't happen in first world countries. Sorry, I was, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to shoot like now, now-ish. Um, does anybody else have anything positive before we finish? Uh, David Attenborough is doing geography lessons. That's cool. That is pretty cool. Oh, too far. That's pretty cool. Mate, we need to fucking isolate David Attenborough immediately. I know. Mate, he's already he's already in the jungles of Baja Two Two. <laughs> I just need to watch like Blue Planet again and just yeah, it's, uh, Planet Earth as well. Yeah, that's probably like the the ultimate zen. If you're feeling stressed, just watch a David Attenborough. You can't feel stressed after watching that, a David Attenborough. That's that's because it reminds you that you're like it, it's just a nice reminder of nature, isn't it? You're just like ah, we actually we live in a fucking massive world, so my problems aren't that big. Yeah, I'm hoping some British mammals come back. Yeah. Fucking all that shit like minks and stoats and woolly mammoth. Are you fucking mate? Mate, this is this is this is me, me, me and I are gonna have to have a fucking intervention with you, aren't we? About fucking let's bring back the bears. I don't want fucking bears. It's do you know how long do you know how long it took us to hunt them all to extinction? Yeah, we didn't hunt minks and stoats. I don't know, mate. Seen a few minxes and jacks and Russian wire in my anyone's fair game in there. Uh, yeah, we actually finished on a negative note, but I can't remember the existence of that nightclub. Uh, right, anyway, I'll, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have my dinner now, but I might see you guys stuff. for poker later. All right, cheers, man. Enjoy your dinner right, in a bit. In a bit. I've got flour in my um, I've got flour in my cupboard that expired like 
eight months ago, but it looks fine. It's, it's, Flower doesn't It's expire. dry as fuck, mate. It's, it's dry as fuck, do it. Yeah. It turns into mice, doesn't it? <laughs> I went to someone's house. I won't mention his name, but it was uh, it's, it's no one on here. But it was about uh, seven years out of date pasta, but it was good. I mean, it looked like it'd been eaten. Oh. Who the fuck? Who the fuck was that, Grebo? Not me. <laughs> what me? The rhyme with flan. Flan. All oh, right, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, I was like the way this person has one fucking name, like Cher. It's just like flat. And like... <laughs> wow, does that mean we did a thing? No, it means Connor, Connor's not happy with how bad the podcast has gone, so, so we're now trapped here until we do a good one. <laughs> I'm going to be sacked. I'll be sacked, then I'll be re-employed for Series 3. There'll be three beers until Blackout. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.